You're listening to Matrimony. I'm Kelsey. And I'm Chris. This show is about our marriage. And our money. Hey, husband. What's Stachel's favorite color? Yellow. Yellow. <laughs> Are you going to start with a joke now? I don't know. I have to vary it every time. Okay, so before we get too far into the show, we just want to say thank you to everyone who has reviewed the show on iTunes. That means so much to us, and that helps so much for other people to find the show. And a great way to support the show is to tell your friends about the show. So tell them that you're listening to this great podcast about marriage and finances, and you might have to make them get out their phone and show them how to subscribe to a podcast. (laughs) Some people still don't know what a podcast is, so, you know, do a little evangelizing for us. We'd appreciate it. Yeah. (laughs) And um, keep your emails and your questions coming. We love those. And if you want to keep up with us a little bit in between shows, um, I am pretty active on Instagram. So you can find me at Kels Wharton. So that's K-E-L-S-W-H-A-R-T-O. And love to see you on Instagram. You can find me on Instagram too, but I don't remember where. (laughs) So (laughs) So don't go looking. But maybe this summer you're going to update your Instagram. Maybe I'll, I'll, I'll have to give you some tips for using social media. Yeah, I'll, I'll soon make a big Insta splash. Okay. So we have a short episode for you today because we are in the middle of end of the semester craziness. But we do want to chat about how busyness can be expensive and recent considerations of whether or not we should pick up an investment property. This will be a short but controversial episode. Okay. (laughs) Okay, so let's jump into life lately. As we said, this is, it's the April craziness. It happens to us every year. It is just kind of (laughs) sucks. Yeah. I was just looking at your your notes here and you have April craziness, but the amazingness that is coming. Yeah. And it made me think of... um, what is it? April showers bring May flowers. That's right. So <laughs> April crazy brings the amazing. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, I, it, hap- it happens every year, but even just knowing that it's coming, it doesn't make it less stressful. And I guess it's stressful because you will end up having evening events, at least maybe like one a week. Um, it seems like every you're affiliated with so many dif- different like departments, schools, colleges, initiatives. Yeah. They all have an end of the semester event. It's always like an evening thing, mm-hmm. which is kind of stressful because then I have to do bedtime by myself. But it's also just it is a little complication for us because we just have the one car. Yeah. yeah. I mean, we can always work it out, but it just requires some extra logistics. And Did, did I tell you this, what I've been hearing recently? What? what? I've turned down like three or four events, some that I said I was going to go to, like, because they, they said, okay, we're having this end of year thing right. for like the PhD students or uh-huh. end of year picnic, whatever for my school. And I've been turning them down and I've had legitimate reasons. Like yeah. they, some of them have been right around like Dashiell's birthday or our right. anniversary, whatever. Anyway, I've had like three or four people say, oh, you know, I really admire your commitment to work-life balance. Really? That's right. You told me someone even emailed you that. Yeah, except... Some of them, I think, are saying it truly, and then some of them are like, you need to get back in the ball. 
little bit too much life, a little more work. Yeah, but I don't care. I just, I'm, I'm not, I don't feel, there's maybe one event that I should have gone to, but didn't just because yeah. a person, a, a colleague very close to me is retiring and mm-hmm. that was kind of a culminating thing for her, but I'm going to see her plenty after retirement. So I don't think it's that big a deal. Yeah. Anyway, but yeah, I'm having to turn a lot of stuff down because there's just no way even trying to figure out biking plus light rail or some kind of public transportation, there's no connecting me to the places I have to be at night. So I don't know how to do it. Yeah. But I mean, we can borrow cars. And so, I mean, I'll just say, I don't think, I don't think it's so much the one car thing that's limiting you that ends up kind of sometimes being a nice excuse, but, um, I mean, you can make things work. Yeah. Yeah. But it just ends up kind of being a simplifying tactic too, wouldn't you say? Yeah. Well, I think it, you know, the, probably the bigger thing, it's, it's a pain, you know, trying to deal with the one car, but for these particular evening events, but I think the bigger thing is just the stress that's involved too, because it's not like Mm -hmm. the next day is any simpler. It's like the evening is gone and we do a lot of prep and stuff. And, you know, if I'm not around, it makes it that much harder. So it's just hard that, that we have a system in place Mm-hmm. And it's very fragile. Yeah, <laughs> like it is. Any There's evening not event a lot it of off. wiggle room. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, so I think that's why it makes it kind of stressful too. Cause yeah, just one one evening that's off throws off kind of the next day. Like if we start the next day with um a sink full of dirty dishes and no lunches prepped, the morning is so stressful. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so Anyway, yeah, so there's just been like a lot. I actually have an evening event tomorrow night, mm-hmm. which is stressful yeah. um, just to have a commitment and everything. But so, but the amazingness that is coming. Yeah, the amazingness is going to be utterly amazing. My summer comes along, and although I have plenty of commitments, I'll be teaching and doing an initiative at ASU, but uh, I'll have utter flexibility, so I'll be home quite a bit more. Mm-hmm. And then once summer is up, I'll be on sabbatical, which will be you know, 100% freedom. I'll be working, but I'll be at home most of the time. Mm-hmm. So basically mid-May through end of December, early January, I'm going to be more home than mm-hmm. not, which means like the rushing around of meal prep slash washing of containers for the kids' lunches mm-hmm. and our salads, whatever that happens between 5.45 and 7.45 p.m. Right. Um, can be done in the middle of the day when I like take yeah. a break from work right. and can just leisurely do it. And we're about to actually... After this episode, we will order some more containers. We'll order some more containers so that I can do pre-prep stuff so that we have like the day, the next day set up for lunches so that evenings will be so much simpler. Yeah. I mean, it sounds amazing. I'm, I'm, I almost can't let myself think about it too much because <laughs> we just need to get through the next week, but yeah, yeah. it feels like it could be just such a game changer for our family. I mean, mm-hmm. any, any streamlining, any task that we can kind of take off of our plates, especially, um, when we're trying to like a multitask like that during the rush of the morning and the, and the evening. So yeah, that could be just amazing. And when we get through that, the boys are going to be older. Mm-hmm. And so when we are back to, you know, you needing to go into the office every day, I don't know. So hopefully this could be like, I don't know, just the last of maybe this super intense, crazy, the way it is now. Yeah. So. And and we got excited today because we had the idea to maybe innovate in our pantry. Oh, that's right. <laughs> You're very excited about this. Well, because we've, we've just been basically, I don't know why, well, we haven't had the time, but we haven't had a chance to think about how to set up our pantry so that we could quickly, more quickly prep, like organize mm-hmm. things so that we could go lunch 
you know, like for the next day and then the next day have kind of stuff right, prepped, right. whatever. So I'm thinking of designing a system on one or two shelves in our pantry mm-hmm. so that we can have multiple days of snacks. and Like already packed and yeah. things like that. Stage, staging. I think one thing, and this is kind of interesting because, you know, we do try to follow this pretty like minimalist philosophy. We try not to spend money where we don't need to. Sometimes I think then um, we'll just have the amount of things that we need, like the amount of little lunch containers that we have for the boys that we pack their little lunch and snacks in. We basically have just enough to send them to school with that for the day. But then what we maybe are missing out on is if we had the extra lunch containers, which we've decided we're going to buy, we could prep like another day. And so Mm -hmm. it's kind of interesting. There are some places I think where you can, you can buy more, and maybe you don't need them to get by, but you could maybe offer yourself Im- like improved efficiency or just ease, whatever. So it's yeah. kind of interesting when there are some of those things that come up. And I think we can tend to resist buying the extra. Like, we're getting by. It's fine. But, you know, maybe we could gain <laughs> oh, yeah. um, gain by buying more. So Yep, yep. Uh, okay, the next thing that I guess is kind of related to money, but we are going to hire a sleep coach. I sort of made an executive decision. I mean, you're on board. I'm I'm pushing it more, I think. Yeah, yeah. But I've decided we need to do this. Yeah, it's time. We thought we were out of the woods with Dashiell, and we're not. He's back to waking up at 4.30 um, sporadically, but still it's it's not yeah. gone away, and it's just stupid. And yeah, Even Cedric here and there is waking up earlier than he, he was sleeping till 6, and that actually kind of doesn't happen anymore. Yeah, so. and I just feel like it, it feels so frustrating. It feels like... Um, I don't, I just feel like we don't know if, if we know of, there are very few other people that I know of that, that, that their kids wake up so consistently, or at least a couple of people have reached out to me through my podcast to say, you know, I can relate whatever, but just in terms of the majority of people that we know, their kids are not sleeping that way. And so uh, this morning in Dashiell's class, yeah. I looked at every single sheet mm-hmm. and every single child had woken up at six o'clock or later. Oh my God. And he's in a big class and, yeah. and he woke up at four effing oh 30. Oh my gosh. But so I know that there are things that we do that like we don't, we don't mean to be creating patterns or like encouraging him to wake up early. But you know, a lot of times they say the sleep training is not so much about training the child. It's about training the adults. But so then I just feel so frustrated. How is it that we're doing things so quote unquote wrong that we have resulted in like a 4.30 a.m. wake up, you know, yeah. like how, how is it possible? It just, mm-hmm. it like angers me and, and it, and it kind of like makes me feel discouraged. Like, yeah. w- like what have I been doing so wrong that I've like screwed up my children's sleep? I mean, I'm only trying to be helpful and comforting and, yeah. you know, <laughs> well, and, and what's tough actually, what's, what's been tough for both of us this week is that we also learned like when we have Dash take naps at home, he sleeps for oh my gosh, 45 yes. minutes to right. maybe an hour and 15 minutes maybe. at best. Usually it's about and an hour or less. And he fights it going down. Yeah. And we have, it's not like we do things un- inconsistently. We, we we have a sort of a consistent pattern. We kind time. of warn him. Yeah. yeah time, whatever. All this stuff. And uh, at school, we've had them tracking, well, at daycare, we've been mm-hmm. had, had them tracking how long he sleeps. And he's sleeping well over two fucking hours mm-hmm. a day, every single day consistently. Yeah. 
It's sometimes like, nearly three. And the teacher was like, oh, he loves his nap. Yeah. And both Cedric and Dashiell's teacher said they are like the best sleepers. They go down the easiest. They need they need such little attention. Meanwhile, at home, they are just like fighting it. And and we're just like, what, what are we doing so wrong? So anyway, um, a friend of mine had recommended a sleep coach. I reached out to her. Um and um, we're just going to like do Skype calls with her because she's not located here locally, but she sounds great. Um, and I am excited to work with her. It's also, yeah. it's frustrating. We're just like so busy right now. We actually don't have time to schedule where we can both like do a Skype call with her and kind of like have the wherewithal to think about this and start implementing a sleep plan. So it'll have to wait till, um, you're back from traveling next week. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think we'll probably, you know, she said it can be, you know, kind of a tough as you're, you know, get ready for some tough nights. But I would, if we can go through some tough nights to get some consistent good nights. Yeah. I'm just excited. Yeah. I like having a plan right now. I feel like we have no plan. It just feels like the wild, wild west of no sleep. The biggest thing for me, like I have no problem with the tough nights because every time we've done something tough with Dashiell, it it's works. only taken a few nights and then it totally works. And it works. My my issue has been Cedric has right. Cedric's been a good sleeper, and this probably means he's not going to sleep well. And I just didn't want to ever deal with that. But we're gonna have to. Deal I know with it. it's going to be worth it. I hope so. We can do it. We'll report back. Uh, please keep us in your thoughts. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so let's move on to talking about our money. Okay, Chris did the rain hand, so we can officially move on. Um, Something that we've been kind of thinking about and just kind of looking into is the possibility of purchasing an investment property or a rental property. Near downtown Gilbert. Near downtown Gilbert. It because is, Gilbert has become the most amazing place in the country. Guys, Gilbert is amazing. Like We are so excited about it. It's so weird. But it's, it's so <laughs> weird. All these things are happening all at once and are making it phenomenal yeah. and for whatever reason it keeps getting raided mm-hmm. in all these different crazy weird ways like, like last time we said right. best it was ra- place to save money yeah it's number two in terms of safest place in the country it's Super number safe. one in mm-hmm. terms of median income mm-hmm. but it's not a high cost of living which why it was right, why right. it's you know you can save so much money but that means there's a bunch of tax money around to improve you know they're building a massive park like the largest in the valley apparently mm-hmm. or at least the east valley yeah all these things are happening and the light rail is getting expanded out towards us yeah. so we have more public transportation restaurants and bars are blowing up all mm-hmm. over downtown gilbert and like expanded all down up and down gilbert road which is right. the main drag in in our town and it's i mean this is an area that we can um bike to easily on bike paths and canal yeah. paths right from our house um yeah it's really cool so we've just been like so jazzed about gilbert and we're kind of you know, Arizona never felt to us like our ideal living place because of the mostly like the environmental climate. We don't just love the like desert landscape for living in all year long. Um, the weather, the political climate is, you know, usually way too conservative and just, mm-hmm. I don't know, kind of crazy for us, but it has just been interesting with all this development. Um, I don't know. We're kind of looking at it with new eyes. And I was talking to my friend today and even the political climate. So like the political climate, if you've kept up with Arizona is, is even too conservative for many conservatives. (laughs) But, um, I actually am getting really excited about Arizona's politics because of Donald Trump. 
Okay. And I, t- I told it to my friend. He's like, what the hell are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> um, but I read an article. I think it was politico.com maybe. But uh, if Donald Trump becomes a candidate for the Republican Party, that will make Arizona a swing state likely. Whoa. Whereas if it was a more moderate Republican, it's almost, you know, mm, assured that Arizona, because it has for a long time now been voting Republican, but maybe it'll become a swing state, which means it's what's, what it represents is the fact that Arizona is filled with a bunch of um, independent voters. They're not, yeah. you know, so they're not ascribing to Democrat or Republican, mm-hmm. which I think is so cool. So mm-hmm. it's it's like a more thoughtful, becoming a more thoughtful Arizona. So I'm excited about that. That's awesome. Yeah. Well, so anyway, I think that the development of downtown Gilbert just had us thinking and, you know, we've been spending much more time downtown and kind of just looking at the neighborhoods adjacent. We love to just drive through neighborhoods and check out houses and stuff. Oh, yeah, I forgot we were talking about this. I'm <laughs> right, excited about Gilbert, right. Arizona. <laughs> Um, anyway, there are a couple of neighborhoods right adjacent to downtown where there are, you know, small, modest, older homes and older. This is so funny in some parts of the country where people are listening to this and thinking of older homes. When I say older homes in Gilbert, Arizona, I mean like the 1970s. (laughs) That is old for this area. (laughs) Um, and so anyway, so these older, modest homes that, um, you know, there's maybe some hints that the that people are starting to like buy in and like improve the area. But basically, it looks like you could still get like a really great deal on, you know, a nice little house, but be super well located. Mm-hmm. And we just feel like there's a lot of potential in the area for the like area to appreciate and you could get renters. And anyway, it's nothing that we're sold on at all. But we had a little budget meeting mm-hmm. this week to talk about it. Yeah, yeah, we talked about it, and uh, we just decided we thought about the the pros and cons and what the risks are because obviously we have saved a, a fair amount of cash, mm-hmm. but buying a rental property yeah. would mean a down payment that would suck away a lot of that. Right. And so that's where the risk is because yeah. the, you know the path we're on is awesome. Yeah. And it's and not we one, love it. Yeah, it's not one we necessarily want to deviate from unless we thought we found like a really really smashing deal. Right. Right. <laughs> So, um, and the risks are probably if something went south with it or, you know, we had to put in a bunch more money than we planned for mm-hmm. fixes or sure. couldn't rent it out or whatever the case may be, it might mean, whereas right now we're thinking about you, mm-hmm. you know, going your own way and, and mm-hmm. quote unquote retiring mm-hmm. in a couple years, few years time, maybe you'd have to work longer. So that would right. make sure that we have the income we need to cover any shortfalls right. with that. Right. And so, that is, that is a huge consideration because yeah. I am very wedded to the idea of getting (laughs) that opportunity. So, um, but I don't know if we've mentioned this before, but my dad is a realtor in Austin and has just made some really great real estate investments. And so we've been talking with him too about, you know, the kind of investment properties that he looks for and, you know, the pros and cons and, and things like that. And so, you know, it's just something that we're being thoughtful about and it's kind of more, you know, just kind of watch the area, see what comes up, get a feel for it. And, um, we're looking at getting pre-approved for, um, just like Mm pre-qualified just so that we can kind of know what we'd be working with. Sometimes on things like this, I feel like I just need to kind of fully research it and investigate it. And then it kind of like scratches that itch and then I'm kind of like, all right, I kind of looked into that and, you know, and mm-hmm. I just think it's good. We've talked before about just investigating your options because sometimes investigating something different is just like, nope, this just confirms for me that what I'm doing is exactly what I want to be doing. And I just want to stick to that. Yeah. Yeah. And and what we put at risk is um, is like the luxury of just one of us working mm-hmm. 
and only temporarily. So mm-hmm. it's not like a, it's, we're not rolling the dice with, you know, important savings that we'd have to fall back on in case of, you know, a serious thing. Like my, my job is secure, right. you know, we, we make good money, like we're okay. So mm-hmm. if we roll the dice on this, I think it'll be, it'll be kind of a fun risk to take and yeah. not one that's going to be, you know, threatening. Right, right. Definitely. We would not do anything like that. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay. Just a few more things. Um, you're looking at your summer pay. Yeah. Uh, summer is always interesting for me cause I, I never quite know what I'm going to get paid. Um, it's always variable what mm-hmm. they pay me for teaching, but why, I, and why is it, can you explain why it's variable? That probably uh, is like, doesn't make sense to. Yeah. Well, so I, I get paid a percentage of my total. So I'm on a nine month contract. I don't get paid in the summertime and to cover classes that I teach in the summertime, they, they have a little formula that calculates some percentage of my, my total contract pay. Um, but that's changed recently because they used to cap it. Mm-hmm. Um, so you could get paid a, a, a certain amount based on a percentage of your income up to $60,000 above that. It, 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 it's so confusing. Suffice it to say, it's not like there's a flat rate. You right. make $4,000 for a course every single year. Like it varies every year because it's a percentage tied to your salary. And sometimes too, it's like tied to how many students are enrolled in the class. And so, right, right. So you could teach a class but get paid less because there are fewer right. students. Because basically right. they have to they have to cover the costs and the yeah. costs are mainly your time. So right. anyway, um, what's cool is that this year it's not capped. It's a fully based on a percentage of my the income that I actually make. Mm-hmm. So I budget, you know, we create a budget every year and I estimate what I'll make in the summertime to make sure we have bills covered and I know what to save in the year. Mm-hmm. So we have all that pot of cash for everything we're doing. Mm-hmm. Anyway, we're making probably take home a few thousand more than I planned because mm-hmm. it's no longer capped. So I'm kind of hopeful, we'll see how it goes, kind of hopeful that maybe we can scrape together a few thousand to replenish the Vanguard savings that mm-hmm. we basically haven't contributed to this month because we bought, bought like 1,500 tickets to fly places. Right, <laughs> all, all, the summer, all the summer travel, mm-hmm. um, mostly your summer travel. Yes. We're, we're doing a big trip to Austin and to Dallas for your friend's wedding and mm-hmm. to visit my family, but you are going to the the bachelor party that we talked about to Napa and Tahoe. Mm-hmm. You're now going with our friend, um, doing driving out to Nashville, but then you're gonna fly back. Yeah. Um, what else? Was that it? Maybe you had some work travel that you put on your credit card that you're gonna get reimbursed for. Yeah, yeah. So so my normally I have four to six thousand by now saved for summertime to mm-hmm. cover summer bills. Right. And it's been depleted down to it'll be soon depleted down to like $500 to cover all these tickets, but I'm getting a bunch back in reimbursements. Okay. Uh, and I knew those expenses were coming. So that's part of our summer planning is right. you know, our total travel. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. this kind of happens, but it's been especially concentrated this year, mm-hmm. you know, and we're about to get our house painted. That That's another 20. Right. I know. It just so happens to be coming like oh right God. now. Oh, I, I wanted to say one quick thing about the investment property. Oh, yeah. I wanted to say the price range that we're looking at, because mm-hmm. if, if I was hearing someone say that, I would think, what do they mean investment property? Like how much money can they afford? Um, so anyway, I just want to be clear. We are looking at properties. Um, 
you know, anywhere from $60,000 to we're thinking that the top of our price range would be $150,000. Yeah, so, which would be stretching it. Yeah, which would be kind of stretching. Like the sweet spot would really be around that like 100000 maybe pushing it up to like one twenty. Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. so this would have to be quite a great deal. Yeah. You yeah. know, and, and so it's either going to be like less than $100,000 and something that might need a little bit of work, or we'd be looking for something that's in pretty good shape at 120 that would just need a little bit and be rentable. So, yeah. so this would have to kind of be a pretty perfect situation. Yeah. I know that that is not, that's not a ton of money for like for a house. And it's an area that is um, not completely undiscovered. People mm-hmm. are starting to notice. So, so yeah. we'll see. Yeah. 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 It may not come through at the mm-hmm. price range we need. So whatever. We'll yep. see. Yeah. Um, okay. Just the last thing I wanted to say that I was kind of thinking about, I don't know if we've talked about this before, but it's just kind of the price of being busy. And I've just been feeling that this week and the past couple of weeks, just the more we're running around and we have less time to plan. Um, it just, it just feels like it precipitates spending more money. Yeah. So how so? Um, like, I don't like if we didn't plan well for groceries or didn't weren't able to like prep a lot mm. of food, then it feels like we run out of snacks later in the week. And I definitely have just found myself um, going to buy coffee more mm-hmm. lately mm-hmm. and almost to a thing where it's like, well, I'm so busy and everything's crazy. I deserve it. Yeah. Kind yeah. of like as a treat yeah. for myself. I've been doing that too, for sure. Yeah. And like we forgot to get coffee creamer at the grocery store and we've tried like other variations, like just straight almond milk and whatever at home. And it just like does not cut it. And mm-hmm. so I've been buying coffee out cause I haven't gotten my like delicious home coffee. <laughs> um, I don't know. So it kind of just, it kind of just feels like that. Actually, that's a, that's a, that's a good point. So not having the creamer that we like makes for unsatisfying coffee at home. And that has resulted in me buying coffee out for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Because normally I love our coffee at home. Yeah. And it's like, I just fill up my hydro flask. I'm good for the day. It's a creamer issue. Yeah. It really, it really is. (laughs) And we haven't, we haven't taken the time to plan when we're, because there's a specific creamer. I know. Oh my gosh. It's so annoying. uh, Flavor of that creamer. Yeah. That we want. <laughs> and I can't even I can't even name the brand. I don't I know what it is. Either. I can just recognize it. Milk. Yeah, but it's only in one grocery store but not the others. Right, like, right. Jesus. It's, anyway. it's just like a pain. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. And I just feel like there are things too, like there have been some like birthday parties and whatnot going on. And so all of it all of a sudden it feels like at the last minute I'm like running out to get a gift, which maybe if I had planned ahead you know it just wouldn't feel like all these expenses were coming at the same time yeah i don't know it just kind of makes me feel less prepared and more likely i'm gonna have to like go out and buy something just because i gotta take care of this i gotta do it right now so yeah definitely planning helps to minimize cost Mm -hmm. and we haven't had time to plan that's april that's april oh I can't wait Damn for it to be April. I know. So we are actually skipping the listener question um, just in favor of finishing up a little bit early so that we can get some sleep. <laughs> <laughs> Hope you guys will understand. Um, but yeah, so let's go on to our one big thing, which I need to think of mine while you are talking. Here's the controversy. Okay. All right, everybody. Prepare your ears. Oh, my gosh. Fuck the American dream. Oh my God. That is my one big thing. (laughs) (laughs) 
fuck the American dream. All right, let's get into this. What let's do you have do to it. say? Is this okay. going to be controversial with me or you think just like our listeners? No, just because, oh, okay. you know, the American dream is like this cherished thing, whatever. Okay, yeah. The way you build it was like, it's going to be controversial. I thought you meant like you meant between you and me. No, no, no. Okay. <laughs> All right, good. Um, I don't ha- I don't have enough bandwidth to be controversial right now. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, so I read an article recently from a guy writer for the Atlantic and his name is Neil Gabler. And he did this thing that is I think courageous where he actually admitted his financial troubles. Mm-hmm. Um, and he described how like he, li- he lived for a while in New York. Then he moved to, I think um, Montauk or something. Um, and he's a writer and, and he's written books and articles and things and done some stuff for movies. And so he's been making money, but you know, it's, it's spotty and whatever. And he's got two kids. He's married with two kids. Um, and he was talking about how, the push to keep up with the Joneses to, to try to achieve the American dream is sort of built into our culture and it's facilitated by credit. And, you know, we, we start to do these things where we live a life that is outside of our means, but he was, so he, he wrote this article where he was arguing for the push of society to make you live this way. Even though he said he didn't really want to keep up with the Joneses that he mm-hmm. felt compelled to do that, especially for his kids because he sent both his girls to a private school in New York City. Mm-hmm. Um, then he decided they, they moved out. Actually, they moved to the Hamptons is what it was, but not like the rich Hamptons, apparently the poor Hamptons. Okay. Um, and he maintained two houses while he was doing that because he couldn't sell his first one in oh New York gosh. City quickly enough. Um, so he's got two girls in private schools. He, at a point in time, had two houses on the East Coast that mm. he was paying for. And then he felt compelled to try to send his girls off to expensive colleges. And of mm-hmm. course, now they're doing well. They're like super successful. Mm-hmm. That's great. But he's, you know, in a tough financial situation mm-hmm. because of all these choices that he felt compelled to make for his family, even though he didn't really want to do it. Mm-hmm. There was a follow-up article in Bloomberg Review by Megan McArdle. Um, where she described this and the the point of the article was, you know, parents are going broke trying to keep up with the Joneses because they're trying to do it for their kids. And she referenced this guy and she made the same argument. She basically said, you know, here he is saying, you know, society is making him do it. um, But here he is, you know, making decisions that are wildly expensive, like sending two girls to private Mm -hmm. school in New York city on an inconsistent income Mm -hmm. and then living, you know, all this stuff. Anyway, it made me think about this compulsion Wait, what what is our definition of the American dream? Yeah. And it's a it's whatever it is, it's consumer driven. It's a yeah. purchased dream. Right, right. Um, and all of it is just such a bunch of ridiculous bullshit and mm-hmm. it drives me crazy. And this guy's article, even though I would praise him for being honest about mm-hmm. his finances, I'd also be like, dude, you're living in New York City. You're spend you're spending crazy money. I can't even yeah. imagine the money on private school. Yeah. You're making terrible decisions about when and where to move. You're, you're, you know, he had actually had his parents pay for the most part for her, his girls' mm-hmm. college. Mm-hmm. It's like all you had to do was realize, recognize, okay, maybe I'm not a fan of the public schools in New York City, but maybe I'll send my girls there for a few years until I can save up enough money for a couple years in private school or right. just make some more rational decisions. But I just think uh, there's a compulsion to, like, like we all deserve the American dream. Mm-hmm. And as a result, um, we let society drive us towards these unsustainable financial decisions. Mm-hmm. Um, and then when it, when we get fucked over by that, mm-hmm. then we say, oh, society made us do it. Right, right. 
Yeah, like there's not, it, it seemed like not ownership of, of his decisions. It was yeah. like, I was made to do it. It's not my bad decisions. I had to do it. And that, that definitely doesn't sit really well with me. It's consumptive. Mm-hmm. You, you're consuming this thing called the American dream. All you have to do is no longer consume. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like stop <laughs> buying into the American dream literally. Right. And you're free from all that financial strife, or at least to an extent. Mm-hmm. So anyway, I just think uh, whatever, if, if your version of the American dream is big cars and big houses and expensive schools and, you know, expensive college and all that stuff, your debt's on you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like maybe redefine your version of the American dream, maybe relocate happiness outside of all that stuff because that, that version has been sold to you by somebody else. That's right. not what you decided to yeah. invest in or could decide to invest in. So that's why I say very controversially, fuck the American dream. <laughs> Yeah. I mean, it seems like, yeah, examining, um, what do you take the American dream to mean? Yeah. You know, like, I mean, I, I think that at its heart, it's supposed to be about everyone having opportunity, but Mm -hmm. then it, it seems to have morphed into, into, yeah, being everyone having all of these things and, and, and being able to have two cars and have a big house and own a house. And yeah, um, that just does lead to a lot of consumerism. And I think another thing with kind of like the quote unquote, keeping up with the Joneses it, and I mean, this just gets into like the social media comparison and stuff that you can do. It's so easy to compare yourself to some, to assume, you know, someone's situation and Mm -hmm. compare yourself to them and then let that drive you. Well, if they're doing that, you know, we should do that or, Oh, is, is that what the mark of success is? And, um, you know, I, you can just never know every, like so many things about someone else. You can never know, like maybe someone else has a really big house, but they're really unhappy, Mm -hmm. you know, or, um, or it's all on, they have huge credit card debt and they're super stressed out all the time. So, and conversely, the, the family, you know, living next door to you in a modest house with a modest car might be rolling in it because they never spent their money on a huge house and right. an awesome car. Yeah. <laughs> right. Right. I mean, that's they, actually, they the don't spend of... their money landscaping their front lawn. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah, exactly. So, uh, yeah. So I just think there's, we labor under this whole delusion mm-hmm. and, um, we need to start We by my eighth grade social studies teacher, Mr. Tilton said, you sometimes you need to use strong words to make strong points. So fuck the American dream. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. I'll be interested to hear what people say about that. <laughs> um, man, I don't, I think that right now, I don't know if I have like a big thing other than right now. I'm just, I'm pretty consumed with you're about to be out of town. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I'm just thinking about that a lot and I'm just kind of like mentally gearing up for it. Um, but uh, there were um, two things that have been really good resources. One has been reaching out to mom friends whose um, partners travel a lot. And so they've just been super supportive and like offering some tips and just, you know, it's kind of, I need to remind myself that sometimes you aren't a good sounding board for that because it's Mm -hmm. hard for me and I don't want to complain to you. And I was talking to my girlfriend about this you know, you're traveling for work and it's a really cool opportunity for you that you are invited to go and do something. And I always want to encourage you to, to take those opportunities mm-hmm. because, 
I, you know, that's really cool for you. I want you to be able to advance your career and network and do all these things. Um, but then it can be frustrating. Sometimes it feels frustrating when an opportunity for you means conversely stress for me, how Mm -hmm. how it has such a big effect on me too, Mm -hmm. you know? And so sometimes that just feels so stressful, but you know, it's just right now where the boy, while the boys are so young and like require just so much work. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. But so, so reaching out to like other moms whose partners travel a lot has been really helpful. And then there is a podcast that I love called the mom hour. And they did a show recently on like tips for traveling spouses mm-hmm. and kind of like shared their own tips and stuff. So mm. those have just been two good things um, kind of bolstering me oh, so that's good that's yeah good yeah um anything else i feel like i talked a lot on this episode i'm sorry i think i, I don't just, care. just wanted to be efficient i swore a lot <laughs> um all right well thank you so much everyone for joining us we will be back next time we have one more listener profile to do so maybe we'll bring that to you next time and i bet you will just hear like the happiness of summer in our voices yeah. I, I look forward to that. <laughs> um, and don't forget, um, you can always email us at heymatrimony, M-O-N-E-Y, at gmail.com. And I would love to connect with you on Instagram, Kels Wharton. And please take a minute to leave us an iTunes review or recommend the show to a friend. Dream modestly, America. Love your honey, not your money. So clever. I just thought of it. No, I'm going right to bed. Oh, you are? <laughs> mm-hmm. I'm going to have a cookie.